You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. So I'm looking at Ephesians 5, starting in verse 6. This is about um, no one deceiving you. It's talking about false prophets, false teachings. And this whole month of Sunday school, we are studying heresiology. Everybody say heresiology. Heresiology. Yeah, it's the study of heresy. It's actually a real word. I don't just make stuff up. Well, sometimes I do, but I didn't make that word up. And, and so I want to read this verse, this passage, this very important passage. Paul tells the Ephesians, let no one deceive you. Are you there? Ephesians 5, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light, in, in the light of the Lord. As ch- live as children in the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And we find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. This, this idea, don't let anyone deceive you. There are people that will try, but don't let them. The truth of God, the truth of the Bible, it's real. Don't let anyone deceive you. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you this morning as we study the beliefs that are, that are not true, as we compare what is truth with things that are of, of, of the devil, things that are lies, things that are untruth, things that are half-truth. God, I pray that you will show us, enlighten us, Show us truth this morning. Allow us to see you clearly, to see the truth of the Bible, to see the truth of your word as it is, as, as it's in its awesomeness, as, it's, as we worship you in truth and in light and in, in, in spirit. So God, we, we praise you this morning. We're, we're here with open arms, open hearts, open minds, ready to receive your truth. And we worship you, Jesus. And everyone screamed... Amen. Amen. Um, The word cult kind of stirs up some bad things, like bad thoughts, don't you think? Like if you you were to accuse someone of being in a cult, would you be complimenting them? No, you'd you'd be slamming them and slamming their religion. And uh, when you hear the word cult, you may hear, uh, you, you may, in your mind, when you hear the word cult, you may be brought to some thoughts about past cults. And so I'm going to begin the Mill Sunday School telling the story of the Jim Jones cult, uh, Jonestown, the People's Temple, uh, different names for the same thing. The, the phrase, have you heard the phrase um, of someone saying like, oh, I'm not sure if I quite believe that. I'm not sure if I want to drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> It's this phrase that we use, and, and some of us don't even know, maybe, maybe we kind of know, maybe we don't totally know where that phrase came from. Like, yeah, I'm, I don't believe that. I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid. And you're like, where does that phrase come from? Well, let me tell you the story of the Jim Jones cult. This is 1978, probably before many of us uh, were born. I was born in 1978, so I don't remember it. But I, the, all this week, I've been studying the Jim Jones cult, the Jonestown, and it kind of messed with like i watched i watched three different documentaries and it's like watching a horror movie like watching freddy krueger but freddy krueger's totally made up it's like watching the jim jones like these documentaries it's like watching a horror movie that really happened and it really 
I had some nightmares. It's just like, it's just like, this really happened? This messed with my head. Like, people really believed this guy and then drank the Kool-Aid. The end of the story is they drank the Kool-Aid and it had cyanide in it and they committed this mass suicide and 909 people died in this mass suicide cult thing. And uh, that, that happened in the 70s. I'll tell you the story, but this is not to be confused with probably what happened in most of our lifetimes. In 1997, the Hale-Bopp comet came over. Do you remember this? And Heaven's Gate. And they believed um, there was just 39 of them that died. I mean, just, but that, that's a tragedy in and of itself. 39 people following the Heaven's Gate cult. Um, they, they committed suicide believing that uh, on this comet called Hale-Bopp that comes around every like 2,000 years, they believed there was a spaceship on the other side of it and that when they committed suicide that their souls were transported to this spaceship that was following Hale-Bopp. It's brutal. I mean, that's like, wow, people, 39 people believe that so much that they committed suicide believing that they were, their soul would end up on this spaceship that, that wasn't there. Um, it's a sad story, but not nearly as sad as 900 people committing suicide. And so the followers of Jonestown, so this is a different cult, not to be confused with the 1997 cult, but which many of you probably remember from middle school, elementary schoolish. Um, so the, the Jim Jones cult started in, uh, Jim Jones was, was in, around in the 50s. He was a evangelical church preacher. He was a part of the Disciples of Christ denomination, and he became a very influential preacher. He started getting a lot of popularity, preaching uh, fire and brimstone passages, preaching um, healing revivals, and so people would come and they'd, be, they'd have cancer, and he'd heal them of cancer. People would come and they'd be in a wheelchair. He'd heal them, and they'd, they'd stand up and be out of their wheelchair. It's found out that later that many of those healings were actually faked, but at the time People were just putting their faith into Jim Jones. James Warren Jones is his birth name. And in the, in the 60s, there was, this, there was this scare of nuclear holocaust between the U.S. and the Russians. And he started preaching, like, we need to go somewhere. And, and, and away from this holocaust, this nuclear holocaust tragedy that could happen. In the 60s, I'm sure many of you know, the civil rights movement was, was in full... Uh, full swing, and Martin Luther King, etc. And so Jim Jones was preaching, we should start a church where there's, there's no color of skin, no black, no white, everybody's the same, there's no old, there's no, there's no young, there's no rich, there's no poor, everybody's just the same. And in the 50s, as, as, as a pastor in this denomination, the Disciples of Christ, Jim Jones started going to communist meetings, socialist, fascist meetings, this idea that, oh, we should all hold our resources together and live in this perfect community this utopian community. And he broke off from the Disciples of Christ and started his own denomination, his own kind of group. He called it the People's Temple. And he's in Indiana. And he started the People's Temple, really reaching out to the poor, the oppressed, the, the African-American community that, that was being um, discriminated against, against the white community. And he just preached this message that we all need to live together, be in this, this community that can, that can live together. And they, they got some... The people didn't really like them in Indiana. It's like, man, they're kind of a cult. They're kind of weird. They, they follow this guy, Jim Jones, too much. And there was oppression there for, for the People's Temple. So they moved to San Francisco to, to, and, and California. And they started a, a big movement there, really reaching out to the poor 
the African-American, the, the oppressed, the, the people of San Francisco that really needed to believe in something and, and they believe in these healings. Jim Jones would preach you know, healings and, and we need to live in this better community. And, and so in San Francisco, they started to get more people are like, wait, what are they doing in there? That's weird. I don't know about these guys. That's weird. And so Jim Jones decides, let's, instead of moving, keep moving around in the U.S., let's move to another country. And so he moves to the country of Guyana, which many of you have probably never heard of. It's in South America, like right on the equator, right north of Brazil. And so he prepares this area. He buys a big plot of land in Guyana and uh, in the middle of the jungle, like there's tropical jungle everywhere. He builds this community, levels it, uh, brings in supplies, brings in generators and houses, you know, b- material to build houses and compounds and etc. And him and his church, as many people as want, go and they live there in this commune. About a thousand people. Can you imagine? I mean, look around. There's like a, there's probably a hundred, maybe a little more. Ten times the amount of people in this room are, believe in Jim Jones so much in this, this experiment. Let's, say, let's go create this society where we hold, we hold Jim Jones as our leader and, and, and he can heal us of, of our sicknesses and we can live together in this socialist community and no one's going to bother us in the jungle. I mean, we're talking like the jungle of uh, Guyana, like no, nothing else around for miles and miles and miles. You have to fly in to get there. And, and so... He starts this community, moves about a thousand people there, and, and, and so people that moved there, they have relatives. Like maybe, you know, if, if, if your brother, your sister moved there, you're like, man, my brother or sister, they, they're gone now, and, and they live in this community, and Jim Jones just doesn't seem like he's right. Like it's something about him, it's just not right. And so people try to get in contact with their family members, they really can't, but every once in a while they they're he'll, they'll hear rumors uh, of things going on there, hear rumors of abuse, physical abuse. Jim Jones is abusing people, um, legitimate brainwashing going on, um, sexual abuse from, from the church leadership and membership. And there's rumors of drills, not fire drills, but these drills sometimes in the middle of the night where Jim Jones will get on the radio and say, all right, emergency, everyone report to the pavilion. And instead of a fire drill, they will drill like a mass suicide. Like there's going to be, you know, like a nuclear bombs coming. We all got to commit suicide before this thing happens. And so they would practice coming together and, and all dying. And, and so there's these rumors and people's relatives that are in the, in the cult are, are, you'd be a little freaked out. Wouldn't you like, man, my mom's there, my brother's there, and they're, they're practicing mass suicide? What, what's really going on down there in, in Guyana? And so uh, the, st- the story goes that um, because they're U.S. citizens, uh, a congressman, an NBC news crew, goes down there to figure out, okay, what's really going on here? We need, they're American citizens. We need to figure out if they're actually okay or if they're being abused by their leader. And so they go down there, a congressman, a plane full of people go down and they start, they film things. They, they try to figure out what's going on here. And they find out some of these things are actually true. And, and people were like slipping the congressman notes, like notes saying, Please get us the heck out of here. We are trapped here. We don't want to be here anymore. And, and it's a bad situation. We can't leave because there's, there's miles of jungle. We can't just walk out. And so people handing the congressman notes saying, we want out of this cult. And the congressman says, okay, I'm going to take a few of you with me. He, took, uh, he started to, on his plane. He's going to say, I'm going to take 15 people with me. I'm going to come back for more. I'm going to keep watching this cult thing as it develops. But I'm going to take 15 people with me. And Jim Jones did not like 15 people. 
people of his own leaving. And so the very, very sad story begins on November, in November, I think, 18th, 1978. Jim Jones ordered like his security squad of the, of the compound to go to the plane and to shoot everyone trying to leave. The congressman was killed that day. The, this famous NBC news reporter was killed that day. The people trying to leave were killed. And then word gets back to the compound that those people are dead. And so Jim Jones says, hey, everyone, we killed the congressman. They're going to parachute in here. They're going to kill us all. We need to end our lives because it's going to be better to end our lives than to go through a, a war. The, the people parachuting in and blowing us up. And so people believe it. And so they lined up the children first and they, they had them drink the Kool-Aid uh, that was green, uh, excuse me, uh, grape purple Kool-Aid in buckets mixed with large amounts of cyanide. And the, the kids drank it first, and then adults would, would come in line and drink it. And they found out later that some, many, almost all, the majority of people had cyanide in their stomachs, but some people must have not wanted to drink it. And so people would actually come up and um, fill, fill syringes with the, the Kool-Aid with cyanide and, and, and murder them because they didn't want to commit suicide. And 909 people on that devastating day were all lying dead all over this compound. And, and that... I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a humbling story. It's like, that really happened? That people really believed this Jim Jones guy enough to commit suicide? And, and there's recordings of him, like last recordings of Jim Jones saying, this is not a suicide. This is, you know, our attempt to show the world that, you know, we truly believe in, in the things we believed in, etc. And, and there's stories of people that survived that event, people that, that ran off into the woods and made it. That one lady uh, uh, hid under her bed and lived through it. Um, a group of people were actually not in the compound at that time. They were on a trip. They were traveling um, to another nearby city at the time. One of those people that was on the trip was uh, Stephen Jones, Jim Jones's son. At the time, he was 18 years old. Now he's in his 50, 50s. He does interviews and he talks about how bad his father was. He talks about how his father did sexually abuse people. His father did have many mistresses. His father did, was addicted to drugs, prescription drugs, shooting up kind of drugs. He was a bad dude, a really bad dude. And he didn't even believe Stephen Jones, J- Jones's, Jim Jones's son, says, I don't even think my dad believed half the stuff he was saying, but he was so enthralled with power and getting people to like him and believe in the things that he was saying that he was just like, by definition, this horrible cult leader. And that, that story, I mean, if you watch the documentaries and you really get into the story, it is, it is frightening. It's, it's mind-blowing that that really happened. And so I think that's the reason why Peter writes, and there's a quote on the back of your skillet here, to, to this sobering reality. Peter says, and if you want the verse, it's Second Peter two, uh, two verse, Second Peter chapter two, verse one and two. Peter says, "There will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord." Peter says, "Watch out! There's there's some people." That, that will introduce heresy. They will introduce bad doctrine. They are bad people and, and don't have anything to do with them. Don't be, 
Don't be, um, don't let anyone deceive you, the other verse we read today. And so this month's topic of heresy, the study of cults, the study of what it means to believe something that is contrary to what is doctrinal Christianity, I think is important. There are people that teach heresies, maybe knowingly or unknowingly, actually believing the heresies themselves, but they're, but they're wrong and they can lead to the destruction. Maybe not the destruction of Jonestown and 900 people drinking the Kool-Aid, but the destruction of our soul, the destruction of the church, the destruction of things. And, and so I don't just want to preach out of fear or teach out of fear uh, uh, this month of the Sunday school topic as we study heresiology, but I want to teach with the sobering reality that we do know what we believe. We have the Bible, and the Bible's the Word of God, and we could test things with the Bible, and we don't just have to blindly believe some charismatic, some outspoken leader. All the things that I teach in here, you could test with the Word of God. You can test it. And so, so that's what we're going to do this month. We're, we're studying the topic of heresiology. So, everybody take a breather. That was an intense story, I know. Um, a very intense story. Um, so, this month, uh, heresiology, we're going to study various cults. The, this morning, next week, we're going to study this overview of cults. We will specifically spend two weeks on Mormonism, which, which I'm going to talk about as, you know, we think that's a different religion. We don't just think that's a, another branch of Christianity, and I'll explain that uh, hopefully very well. Uh, we're going to talk about Jehovah's Witnesses, 12 tribes, uh, Scientology, Christian science, um, these, these mainline um, semi-Christian other religions. They're, they're heretical in some way or another. So that's what, that's what we're going to come to this month. Um, so you've come to a good month. You've come to a month that's going to be very teachy. We're going to get into a lot of doctrine this month. Anybody like doctrine and teaching stuff? Me too. All right, so if you're new to Mill Sunday School, we do have uh, first-timer cards on the tables. If you fill this out, uh, we'll give you a, uh, it's a CD with some worship songs on it and a message from The Mill on Friday night, which Sunday School is a part of The Mill on a Friday night. So go ahead and do that. Bring it to me or the people in the back as you leave, and uh, we'll get you that CD. So let's start off with um, today's lesson. I'm going to move kind of fast. And so if you take notes, you could follow along. This is the skillet. It has a picture of, uh, I don't, I, you know, I don't pick the pictures. <laughs> but that's supposed, it's not in color, but that's supposed to be the red pill, blue pill, the matrix thing. Some of you are like, is that, is that illegal drugs? Someone's, what is that a, what is that a picture of? Um, so that's what that, I don't pick the pictures. I, I just teach here, you know, I don't, I don't, just kidding. Um, but I don't pick the pictures, seriously. Um, <laughs> Patrick does, wherever he is. There he is. Um, so, on your, in your notes is a definition of turns. We're going to talk about foundational Christian beliefs, denomination, heresy, religions outside of the Christianity, cults, and then hopefully we'll get to this idea of we need to know what we believe. And so, this first idea in the notes is foundational Christian beliefs. And this is the position of Christianity, the position of the church. If someone was to bring to you a heresy, would you even know that it was in fact a heresy? Or would you just say, oh, that's, that, that must fall within Christianity because they look like a Christian. They're talking about Jesus, so it must be just fine and dandy. Um, here's one of the creeds on your tables. If, if you want to follow along, on, on, there's sheets that look like this. On one side is the Nicene Creed. On the other side is the New Life Church Statement of Faith. Hopefully there's enough to go around. Uh, I think we put a couple on every table. You have to look on with each other. But look to the side that says the Nicene Creed. 
There's a side that says the Nicene Creed. And many of you maybe came from a denomination that said this creed in church every Sunday. It starts off, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, the maker of all that is seen and unseen. And then it goes into talk about Jesus, the Holy salvation, the Holy Spirit, and the church. And this is a very important creed. If we have time, I'm going to talk at the end of Mill Sunday School about how this creed came about. But it came in, the, in about 325 AD. The church, Christians from all over the known world came together and said, we need a creed. We all believe in the Bible. Let's have a creed that sums up the major core beliefs of the Christian church. And so if you, if you look along, there's some things that probably stand out. The first sentence, we believe in one God. We don't believe, we're not polytheists. We don't believe in lots of different gods. We don't believe in three gods, one God. And, and we believe that he's the Father, the Almighty, the maker of all that is seen and unseen. We believe that he created it all. And then it goes down to say, we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ. And it it talks about God from God, light from God, light, begotten, not made. And then it says, of one being with the Father. That's what we believe. We believe that in scripture, it clearly says in various ways. John 1, 1, Jesus says, uh, John, uh, speaking of Jesus says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God, and then it goes on to say that, that that word is Jesus who came to give us salvation. And so we believe that Jesus is God. And in Philippians 2, it says, Jesus, who being in the very nature God, and then it goes on to talk about the nature of Jesus. There's verses where Jesus himself says, before Abraham was, I am. And this idea of like, he's, he's quoting this Hebraic name for God, before Abraham was, your ancient father Abraham I am, ego and me, this Yahweh term that's in the Old Testament. Or uh, Jesus talking to Philip and said, Philip, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. We're, we're one in being, Father, and Jesus prays, may they be one as you and I are one. He's praying to his Father. And so throughout the Bible, we have these verses saying, Jesus is one in being with the Father. And if a, if a Mormon, if a Jehovah's Witness, if a Scientologist, if a Christian scientist, if a 12 tribes was to read the Nicene Creed, they would say, eh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree with that. They would say, a Mormon would say, I, I don't think Jesus is one in being with the Father. Uh, a Jehovah's Witness would say, eh, I, don't, I don't believe that Jesus is one in being with the Father. I don't, I don't believe that there's one God. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe that he is the creator of everything. I think there's other creator gods out there. Some of these other denominations, excuse me, not denominations, these other religions would say, they, they don't agree with the Nicene Creed. But as Christians... The universal church, whether you go to a Methodist church or a Baptist church or a a Presbyterian church, they are going to believe in the Nicene Creed. It's something that unites us all, the universal church, as believers. And it goes on to talk about uh, Jesus came for our salvation. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that the church is holy and universal. And, and, so, and so we wouldn't say that, you know, you have to, to be saved, you have to come to Mill Sunday School. If you don't come to Mill Sunday School, you're not saved. We wouldn't say that. We, we would say we are a part of the universal church, that there's a church in Uganda, there's a church in Kenya, there's a church in Ethiopia, there's a church in India and Thailand that is part of the universal church. And they're just as much Christian believers as we are if they, if they hold to these doctrines. Right! Amen. Right. Okay, so that's the Nicene Creed. That's in our church history. It's kind of held the test of time. If you flip it over, 
This is the New Life Church statement of faith. And, and what we did is we took the Nicene Creed. We took other creeds, like the Apostles' Creed, um, other things. <coughs> Excuse me. And we put it into uh, much more modern English. Um, we like to see things bullet-pointed. And so we chose to, to bullet point things so you could clearly see this. And so it begins with the Trinity. Our God is one in being, three persons. And so if you showed this statement to uh, a Mormon or someone of a different religion, a Hindu, they would say, oh, no, I don't believe in that. And so they, would, they, they wouldn't be... You know, they wouldn't be okay with the, the statements that New Life believes. And by the way, these, these are major statements that New Life believes that, that I think <coughs> maybe they would argue about maybe how we word some of these things, but I think every church that agrees with the Nicene Creed would also agree with the New Life Creed. <coughs> it's not really a creed, it's a statement of faith, excuse me. Oh, we believe in God the Father, He's a creator, created the universe. Uh, point three, God's the Son, He's eternally God. It's, that's the kind of lingo that's in the Nicene Creed. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in salvation. Da- looking down about halfway, it says salvation is a free gift. Salvation is by grace. <coughs> and, and other religions would say, oh, no, we don't believe in Jesus as salvation. We don't believe that it's by grace alone. We think you have to do ec- extra works as well. These are other cults. These are other denominations. Excuse me, not denominations. Other religions that would say this. Um, and then it talks about the Christian life. It talks about the church. We believe in the universal church. It talks about eschatology. We believe there'll be a final judgment. These are pretty standard beliefs of any church. And, and New Life just chooses to, to bullet point them like this. And I think it's really cool that, that we provide scriptures for each one of these things. It says, you know, like the first one, the Trinity. You guys believe in the Trinity? Why do you believe in the Trinity? Well, because we believe the Bible is the word of God. So here's Matthew 3.16, Matthew 28.19. Uh, these are verses that say the God, that our God is, in fact, triune. So, New Life Statement of Faith. On the other side, the Nicene Creed. These are big doctrinal statements of the church. And so, the, the next term on our notes is, is the word denomination. And denomination... Uh, it, sometimes the, the, the denominations, the differences... In between Methodists and Presbyterians and, and New Lifers versus Baptists versus the Southern Baptists versus the uh, Free Will Baptists and the other Baptists and the, and the Methodists and the, the other groups of Methodists. And sometimes we could get carried away with like the differences. And we're like, oh, the Methodists, they do something this way. And oh, the Baptists, they do it this way. And there's so much differences. There's so many differences. How do you know what's really true? And to that, I would say a denomination, as we are defining denominations, Denominations that are within Christendom, within the universal church, within, um, when I say universal church, I mean global church. I mean the church that's in Uganda, the church that's New Life, the church that's the Baptist church. We all would agree with the Nicene Creed. We would all agree with the standard doctrine. Jesus is Lord. He's the only way to salvation. The Bible is the word of God. Um, There's going to be judgment when when we die, etc., etc. These core beliefs that we have. And so I would say, you know, if someone came to me and said, you know, I, I like New Life, it's, it's cool and all, but I, I, I like my Methodist friends and I kind of like how they do things. Is it okay that I go to a Methodist church or is that wrong? I would say, I would give my full blessing and say, oh, go, go ahead, go to the Methodist church. They, they may do things uh, more traditionally. You may like that, that they, they, you may be more familiar with their hymns. I give you my full blessing. 
Whereas if someone came to me and said, you know, Joe, um, I, I don't really like how New Life does things. The music's too loud. I'm thinking about going to a Buddhist um, a congregation of Buddhists that, that meditate. Are you okay with that? Would you be okay with that? I just don't like New Life because the music's too loud. I want to go to a, a Buddhist church. I would say, whoa. There's, you're not just asking me if you want to go to a different denomination. You're asking me if it's okay that I believe that Jesus isn't the only way. You're asking me, oh, is it okay to follow the teachings of Buddhism and that, that to parallel itself with the, the beliefs of new life? And to that I would say, you're, you're going to a different religion, not just a different denomination. That's out there. That's, that's too far. That's across the line of, of, of Christian belief. And so according to my definition... If you're writing down definitions, I would say a denomination is within Christianity, but just believe a variation of uh, something within Christianity. So if you're writing that definition up, I kind of just made it up as I went, sorry. Uh, Denominations within Christianity, it's a, uh, they just believe a variation of something that is still within the doctrines of the church. For example, many, many denominations split over how we should govern the church. For instance, Presbyterians, the, the Greek word presbuteros means elder. So they, are, they run, each other, run the system of the government by presbyteries, and they have an elder over, overseeing kind of uh, that has the, the church government, which is very different than, say, an Episcopalian. The Greek word episkopos means overseer. So they have overseers, a.k.a. bishops, who kind of oversee areas. It's different than how the Presbyterians do it, which is very different than, say, how congregational churches do their church government. They say, oh, we, the people, when we come together, we could vote in or out a pastor. We don't need someone in an office uh, telling us what to do. We, as the congregation, can have individual freedom. And so lots of churches are, lots of the denominations have split over church governance. Is that okay? In my opinion, that's okay, because they would still hold to the Nicene Creed. They would still hold to what is church doctrine. We're not talking about some church breaking off because they don't really believe Jesus is Lord. If that happened, then we would call them, oh, that's a different religion. That's, that's a different religion. And I'm going to argue later on in this month that, that Jehovah's Witnesses, while there's lots of overlap, Mormons, while there's lots of overlap, that's a, they'll say, oh, we believe in your Bible. But, th- but there's significant differences. A Mormon would say there's actually three gods and that they only pray to God the Father. Jesus isn't one with the Father. Salvation isn't, the full salvation isn't by Jesus alone. You also have to be in their church, um, etc. Those are big enough differences to say a line has been drawn and they're not just a denomination. They are a different religion. And so, um, and so moving on, uh, I, I was going to have discussion, but I think we're, we're running a little short in time. I was, I was going to discuss, maybe it's worth it. It's kind of a fun discussion. Do you like to discuss things? The discussion question is what, and, and I want you to be careful because uh, we're not, <laughs> I'll just say the discussion question. So for at your tables or people next to you, what's the weirdest thing? you've seen that is still within Christianity, doctrinal Christianity. We're not talking about, oh, I saw this weird thing where this guy was meditating to, to Vishnu and, and he was calling on the name of Buddha. That's definitely weird, but that's definitely outside of Christianity, right? So I'm talking about things like, oh, I was, I was once at this church one time, and guess what they did? They did the sermon first, and then they did worship. Isn't that nuts? That's so weird. 
<laughs> I'm talking about things like that. And you could, you could extrapolate, maybe, like, oh, I know this one church, fully Christian, but, but they don't wear any jewelry. They don't, they don't braid their hair. Isn't that weird? And we would giggle and say, yeah, that's weird. But they're still within Christianity. Who cares if they don't wear jewelry, in all honesty? They still believe that Jesus is Lord. They're saved by Jesus, etc. So is that, is that a fair discussion question? What's the weirdest thing you've heard that, that's yet still within Christianity? Ready, get set, talk about weird stuff. Have you seen some weird things that are still within church? Like, oh, this church baptizes babies and this church only baptizes believers. That's weird, right? But still, in the grand scheme of things, it's like, oh, we don't baptize babies. We dedicate babies. That's okay. Uh, what, what about a church that, uh, I, uh, there's a church that, that does communion every Sunday. Isn't that weird? I guess to us as new lifers it's weird, but actually to them we would be weird because we don't do communion every Sunday, right? They, Sunday night does communion every... So there's weird Sunday night church at New Life. That's just weird. They do communion every week. Uh, they actually... You know what's really weird about Sunday night service is they say the Nicene Creed every single Sunday night. Actually, I think that's pretty cool. It may be weird to us. We don't do that. But, uh, so it's weird in our thoughts. Like, oh, we don't do that, so them doing that is weird. But it's really not that weird. I mean, they, just, they say in the Nicene Creed. They say it in unity, and that's pretty cool. Some of you probably had talked about much weirder things. People talk about much weirder things at your table. Yeah, <laughs> that's why we're not passing mics right now. <laughs> thought about it and I'm like, eh, let's hold off on the weird stories. Let's jump right in and we'll come back to the weirdness when we get to the word cult. But let's look at the word, <laughs> let's look at the word heresy first. I think that's a much more important word than the word cult. And, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Heresy literally comes from the Greek uh, heretikos, which means to choose. To choose to be, and it obviously has implications, to choose to be different than what is mainstream. Choose to be different than the other. And so here's the, if you're writing down definitions, I'm actually going to give you this one to actually write down. I've written it down here. And so we are going to use this word, the heresy. When we talk about heresy in the middle Sunday school, we're talking about this. I mean, if you you go to a church and they're like, it's heresy for, for you to do the sermon before you do the worship. Like, what's your definition of heresy? That's, that, that's not a good definition. If you're, like, your definition of heresy is doing the sermon before the worship instead of the worship before the sermon. That's just a silly definition for heresy. Let me give you the definition that we are going to use for the word heresy. And I think, it, I think it, I'm not just making this stuff up. You could actually look it up in the dictionary. And it says something like this. So, if you're writing notes, it says, A change in belief. A change in belief, and that, that, that comes from the, the Greek word heretikos, meaning to, to change, to choose. So a change in belief from the foundational theological positions of Christianity. A change in belief from the foundational theological positions of Christianity. So I'll say it one more time. A change in belief from the foundational theological positions of of Christianity. So that meaning, okay, someone that just uh, um, 
you know, does things a little differently in style, or maybe they think a cross should be present in, in every church building. Yeah, that's okay. And, and we don't have a cross in every building. In fact, there used to be a really big globe here. That was pretty cool. But we, don't, we wouldn't say that every church building has to have a globe, and so we wouldn't call some other church that doesn't have a globe or a cross a heretics. But we would say, oh, that's just different than what we believe. But we would say heresy. We would point our fingers and say that's a heresy. If they said something like, Jesus isn't really God. Jesus is totally separate than God. Jesus was just a human being that God sent. We would say, that's a heresy. According to the foundational Christian beliefs, that is different than what we believe core. Someone said, oh, the Bible isn't really the word of God. It's just a, it's just a fun, friendly book that you can read, just like the Quran, just like the Bhagavad Gita, just like these other books. We would say, that's a heresy. That's a separation in, in foundational church doctrine. We believe the Bible is the word of God. If someone said, oh, we believe, we believe that you could add other books. I have, I have up here the Book of Mormon. Uh, Mormons would say, we, we believe you can add books to the Bible. And, and the modern day president of the, of the Mormon church, he can write things that are on par with, held just as, um, just as importantly, just as theologically sound as the Bible. We would say... That's a big difference. That's a heresy according to our definition of heresy. We would say that's a foundational difference that it's different than Christianity. If someone said, um, oh, let's see, uh, other things like, oh, maybe there's more than one God or salvation isn't by Jesus Christ or the, the ch- you have to be a part of this little church, like you have to come to Mill Sunday School to really be saved, we would say those things are all heretical because they, they are changed to the foundational Christian beliefs. And so if, they, if there is a group of people that believes in heresy, and our definition of heresy is a foundational difference, we would call them, you guys are a different religion. We're going to draw a line and say, Hindus are a different religion than Christianity. It's different. Buddhists, different. Christian scientists, different. Scientologists, there's a difference. There's foundational differences. Mormons, a difference. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, difference. Twelve tribes. We're going to draw a line and say, there's a difference between our foundational beliefs and your foundational beliefs. So the next term in your notes, just very briefly, is just a religion outside of Christianity. And so, so by our definitions, as we build on these definitions and words that we'll be using all this month, uh, we would say a religion outside of Christianity is a group of people that believes in a heresy. And we've already defined heresy as a difference in foundational belief. And so it's a group that believes in the heresy, according to us. And so we, as foundational believing Christians, Bible-believing, Nicene Creed-believing Christians, we would say, um, Mormons, that's a different religion. Jehovah's Witnesses, so much similarity. Good people, but a different religion. And, and finally, we get to this word, cult. Everybody say it. Cult. Doesn't it sound mean and dirty and like sinister and weird? And when I say cult, you hear cult. When you he- say cult, I hear cult. And I think Jim Jones. I think Heaven's Gate. I think people killing themselves and drinking Kool-Aid and being weird and have a, have a leader that's screaming at them. And um, that, That's the kind of things I picture. Is that the kind of things you picture? Yeah, pretty much. And so if, if, 
some nice people knock on your door and you open the door and they're wearing white shirts and ties and it says elder so-and-so and and the other one says elder so-and-so they're mormons and and then they introduce themselves and say we're we're uh we're we're here to talk to you about the church of jesus christ latter-day saints it would be very how do i put it maybe very offensive to say oh you guys are a part of that cult and they would say no we're not. We, you, do you want to feel our heads for the horns? We don't have horns. We're not in a cult. We're not bad. You know, cult is reserved for Jim Jones and the Heaven's Gate and, and weird people like that. We're not a cult, is what they would tell you. It would be very offensive, don't you think? Don't you think uh, if, if someone said, oh, you go to the Mill Sunday School, isn't that that cult up there in Briargate? You would be like, no. It's, it's normal. We don't do weird stuff. Um, but so here's the definition of cult. You can see how this... So, so he, my idea, my hypothesis, my thesis statement is that the word cult is just a bad word. It's like a... It's a word that really doesn't have a def, definition and it's kind of a slam word. So hopefully I'm going to be very careful and I'm not going to call Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or 12 tribes or Scientologists or Christian scientists. I'm not going to use the word cult. I'm going to use the phrase, they're another religion. Because the word cult, bad word. Um, and, and it's because the word is offensive. So the definition of cult, I have three words. One, two, three words that, that if you go to Webster.com, Dictionary.com, you look up the definition of the word cult, if you want, you could do it now, you will probably find these three phrases, these three ideas again and again and again. One, two, three. Number one, small, they're a small group. Number two, they're exclusive. And number three, in some way or another, they're weird. A cult is small, exclusive, and weird. If they're small, like, oh, it's a small group of people. And uh, Jonestown's like a thousand people. That's small compared to six billion, I guess. And so, uh, I mean, it's not that small. It's a thousand, but uh, it's small. So they're small. They're exclusive. They would say, you can only be saved if you're a part of our little group. You can only do this or that if you're a part of our group. They're exclusive. They kind of close the walls down. You have to be a member to be uh, part of their exclusive group. And they do weird things. And that's, and, but by whose definition do they do weird things, right? And so the word cult, here, let me give you some more examples. Because someone could accuse, I was thinking about this the other day, someone could accuse us, the Mill Sunday School, of being a cult. They could say, a cult by definition, now they're looking at dictionary.com, they're small, they're exclusive, and they're weird. So they'd be like, man, Sunday school, it's small. There's like 100 or so, maybe 150 something so people in here. We're kind of small based upon, you know, the world of 6 billion people. And so we're small, right? We're small? Yeah. yeah. And, and we're, the, the exclusive part is kind of hard to work because we, w- we wouldn't say that we, you have to be a Sunday schooler to be saved. But we're somewhat exclusive in that, you know, we, we would say that you have to be, uh, you know, if you wanted to be a member, we don't even do membership in here, so the exclusive one's kind of hard, but we would say at some point, you know, to be a member of New Life, to be, you know, to, to be a, maybe a leader of Sunday school, to be, um, I, I don't know, the exclusive one's weird, but at some point we would say you need to believe in Jesus to be saved, and if you're not within 
uh, Jesus' grace, then, then the salvation has not yet been extended to you. You need to respond to the message of Jesus. So the exclusivity is, eh, take it for what it is. But we do do weird things in here, don't we? I mean, every Sunday I start off by screaming at you. It's like, what more evidence do you need that you're following a weird cult leader? What up, the Sunday school? That's just weird. I'm screaming. Um, that's weird. Uh, Mormons could look at us and say, you know, Mormons don't drink ca- caffeinated beverages. It says in the Doctrine of Covenants, one of the books they believe in, you know, don't, uh, don't use wine or strong drinks, tobacco, uh, and hot drinks, uh, herbs, etc., uh, blah, blah, blah. It, it says no caffeine. Don't drink caffeine. And yet here we are. There's coffee back there. Like in our church building, we are drinking coffee in order to stay awake. People could look at that and say, that's weird, don't you think? They could. And, and so upon whose definition of weirdness do you say something is weird? And so um, we, we could look at, this month, we could look at and, and judge other weird things. We could say, you know, the Mormons... They used to believe in polygamy. Isn't that weird? And we're like, yeah, that's so weird. Or we could say, oh, did you know the Branch Davidians? They're like an offshoot of the Seventh-day Adventists. Remember they went crazy in Waco, Texas? That's so weird. Or we could say, do you know that Christian scientists, they don't go to doctors or dentists? Isn't that weird? And we say, yeah, that's weird. Or we could say, do you know the Jehovah's Witnesses? They don't get blood transfusions or give blood transfusions. Isn't that weird? And we're like, yeah, that's so weird. Or uh, we could say, did you know that the, the Freemasons, they have secret handshakes? It's like, that's so weird. Like, yeah, that's so weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that's weird. It's weird to us. Or, to, you know, in Manitou, there's 12 tribes. They all live together and they drink green tea called mate. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? And to us, it's like some of those things are weird. But there's a lot of weird things in this world, don't you think? I mean, people could look at us as Mill Sunday schoolers and be like, they're weird. They have bagels back there and they, they give free breakfast and they drink coffee. That's weird. And their leader screams at them to say, good morning, what up, Mill Sunday School? That's just weird. They do weird things. And so we could dwell upon all these weird things and, and all this month talk about a lot of weird things. We could bring, we could kind of slam these individual religions and say, look how weird this is. But I think there's something much bigger than just weirdness. There, there's a foundational differences in what we believe versus a line that's been drawn in another religion. So on that basis, uh, I'm really going to hold off from using the word cult all this month. If I use the word cult, I'll kind of define it and redefine it. And if I use it, I'll kind of be half joking because the word cult should, in my opinion, only be reserved for really horrible situate like Jonestown or Heaven's Gate, like people committed suicide believing that they were getting on a spaceship that wasn't there. That's like, gosh, I mean, that's a cult by every definition. But, um, but, and so let's reserve that word for, for slamming people. 
when, when slamming is due. Like, uh, n- 900 people died because they drank the Kool-Aid. Let's reserve that word cult for them. Let's, uh, let's, if we're trying to slam somebody, let's use the word cult. If we're, not try- if we're trying to be nice to people, we're trying to really understand their beliefs, we're trying to really understand the, the line that's been dra- drawn in doctrinal positions, let's not use the word cult. So, um, we're going to get to um, th- th- this final statement says, know what you believe. <clears throat> and I just want to close with this idea that um, we are studying heresy this month not to just study the weird things. We are studying heresy this month because I believe by studying what is incorrect, we can learn from it and learn what is correct. How many of you are in college? Or have been to college. You've taken a lot of tests. You know that you study for tests. You have flashcards. You study those things. And then you come to the test day. And you do okay on the test. Many of you. And many, some of you don't. And then, and then the teacher gives you back the test. And a good teacher will give you back the test. And, and allow the, the giving back of the test. For you to learn from mistakes. For you to learn. Like oh I chose this answer. Because I thought this. But I was I was wrong, and now I understand that, that it's actually this answer because, oh yeah, I read in the textbook that this and this happens, and so it must be this answer. And so a good teacher will give you back a test, and they'll go over the test, and you'll be able to learn from the wrong things you've chosen. You'll be able to learn from what is wrong. You'll be able to learn more about what is right from the mistake of choosing what is wrong. And it's not like I want to... Um, you know, allow you to, to go experience another, um, another religion so you can experience what is wrong. But in here, in the Mill Sunday School, this month is going to be very teachy. We're going to talk about doctrine and, and teachings and, and truth. And we're going to go back to this creed because it's, it's, it stood the test of time. And we're going to look at other religions, study their beliefs in hopes that we can compare ourselves and learn from the beliefs, the things that we truly believe. For instance, I think, I'll, cl- I'll close with this idea that, that, okay, the idea of the Trinity. We believe in the Trinity. The, the word Trinity is here in the New Life Church Statement of Beliefs. We believe that God is triune. And I think the Mill Sunday School, I'm really proud of you guys. <clears throat> I think if, if someone w- was really asking you and pressing you, maybe at each one of your tables, someone that didn't believe in the Trinity was pressing you and saying, why do you believe in the Trinity? I'm really proud of you guys. I think you guys could, given like maybe 10 minutes, you could, you could say, here's why we believe. Here's a bunch of verses as to why we believe in the Trinity. And you could figure it out, maybe given 10 minutes. Um, and, and so you could do it. However, I think there's lots of Christians out there, lots of them, that if you asked them what the Trinity was or why do you believe in the Trinity, they would just stutter for a little while. Like, oh gosh, I don't, I don't know why I really believe. I, I can't show you in the Bible why I really believe in the Trinity. And so this month, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at religions that don't believe in the Trinity, compare that with the Bible, and say, okay, are there verses in the Bible that clearly teach the Trinity? If so, that's why we believe in it. We're not just going to believe in things flippantly. We're going to really study them, really have a reason for defending our faith. And so that's what, that's what this month is all about. I hope you keep coming back. I hope I haven't scared you with weirdness or the word heresy or the word cult. But have hopefully con- that developed in you these ideas that, we do need to know what we believe. We need to protect ourselves from what is false. So with that idea, let's, let's close in prayer. God, we, we pray to you as, as the triune being of God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, God the Father, we pray to you right now. God, this month as we study other religions, 
God, we do ask you that that you may show us what we believe. Help us, guide us towards what is truly the truth. That, That we can worship our creator. That we can worship the one who sent his son, Jesus. That Jesus, we know you are one in being with God. So much so that when you died, you died for our sins, all of the world's sins. You completely took away the sins of, of, of the sins that we have personally because you were powerful enough. You were God, and yet you were also human. You knew what it, what it was to, to, to have temptation, yet you did not sin. And so, God, with all of these, these foundational ideas, these thoughts, these doctrines, we bring them to you and say, God, we want more. We want to learn more. We want to truly know what we believe. We want to be able to f- defend our faith. We want to worship you more clearly, more obviously. So God, we praise you. We leave here excited to, to have experiences to, to share the word of truth with others that don't believe. God, give us, these, give us these opportunities even this week. God, we pray for these things. We go out loving you and, and, and in your presence. We love you, Father. Everybody said, Amen. All right, friends, you're dismissed. We'll see you at Big Church. See you next week. Peace out.